with you today's sermon as I looked at the topics in this message series. Today's sermons was, wasn't one that made my heart beat fast. Uh, as I, you know, think about worship, boy, I can preach a sermon on worship. Or as I talk about the Word of God um, being, you know, inspired and relevant today, I love that sermon. Or as I think about how God calls us to, to totally surrender to Him, I like to talk about that. But when I talk about an issue like time management, I've got to be honest with you, it doesn't make my heart beat fast. And yet the more I read the scripture and the more I thought about that topic today, I thought to myself, it is not an overstatement to say that, that how we think about time, how we use our time, really has the opportunity to write a whole new future for us. And I came to realize there's a sobering truth, especially that grows out of Psalm 90 that I read just a moment ago. Our days really are numbered. Now, I've told you that one of the commitments I've made at the very beginning of this year is that I wanted to spend some time every day in the Gospels. And I've been very rigorous about that. And I'm in my fourth reading of the Gospels. And this past week, I was in Mark, the early chapters in Mark. And one of the things I noticed about Jesus was that Jesus was busy, but never hurried. Have you noticed this? He was very busy, particularly in the early chapters of, of Mark. And so here you see Jesus, after he is baptized, he calls his disciples, he's healing, uh, he um, drives evil out of people. He's doing all these incredible things. I mean, he is very, very busy. But Jesus is never in a hurry. And you know, hurry is not healthy for the soul. Hurry is that internal feeling of being rushed, stressed, preoccupied, and quite frankly, that's not good for us spiritually. And yet, have you noticed, we're a part of a culture that's very hurried and very harried. The late Dallas Willard wrote a lot about spiritual growth and development, and he said there's a, a huge difference between being busy on the one hand and being hurried on the other. Jesus was purposefully busy, and that's what I want to be. And so this morning, the question that I wrestle with some is, how can we live our lives, use our time as we follow Jesus, use it like he did? And so this brings us to Psalm 90, and that verse I read a moment ago, and to the idea that our days are numbered. This psalm, as I mentioned, is attributed to Moses. And so because of that, this psalm, Psalm 90, is the oldest psalm in the collection. And so in Psalm 90, verse 12, to read it again, it says, Teach us wisdom. Uh, teach us to number our days, rather, that we may gain the heart of wisdom. Now, if you think about this phrase, this really is a prayer Moses is saying, God, would you teach us something? Teach us to number our days. Teach us to understand that we don't have an unlimited number of these days, that each day is a gift. Now, when we realize that we have a limited number of days, I think it'll help us to see that each and every one is precious. And I believe it might help us to live out our lives in more intentional ways. Notice it was Moses who said, teach us to number our days. It's interesting to me that we most often number our life by years. You notice this? 
In fact, sometimes we even number our lives by half years. When our kids are little and we ask, how old are you? They will smile and they'll say, well, I'm, I'm four and a half. I mean, they're proud that they're not only just four, but they're even a little bit more than that. They, they want to, you know, have even more years. And yet, have you noticed when we get just a little bit older, we start lying about our years. How old are Well, I'm, I'm 39 39 and holding. Yet something happens because we don't really want more years. It's almost like we're ashamed of the number of years we have. But Moses says, teach us to number our days. And so this week, I added up the number of days I have lived. Now that's kind of a sobering experience if you do that. As of today, I've lived 20,505 days on this earth sounds a little depressing doesn't it and yet I don't see that as depressing it's it really it's enlightening because it gives me perspective and so teach us to number our days Moses says now Moses mentions in verse 10 that the Lord may give us 70 maybe 80 years and so I got to thinking this week what if the Lord gives me 80 years he may not I may just have another day or two, another year or two. I don't really know. But let's say the Lord gives me another few years. And I'm 80. How many more days is that? That means I have roughly a little over 8,000 more days left. And if you take those 8,000 days and you take away from those days the hours that you sleep, the time you're sitting in a waiting room at the doctor's or dentist's office. It's not a lot of time. And so the question becomes, what do you do with those days that God gives you? This year, my dad turned 80. And I've kind of had this running joke with my dad. For the, about the last 12 years, every time he buys a new car, and he, he buys a new car pretty regularly. That's one of these he likes. He pays cash for it, but he kind of likes a new car. Every time he buys a new car, he'll, he'll smile and he'll say, to me, he'll say to me, Son, this is probably the last new car I'll buy. And I'll say, Dad, I believe you got at least one new car in you. But then he'll say something like, You know, I realize from this point forward, I, I'm, I'm really living on borrowed time. And he'll say, every, every day is a gift from God. And you know, that's true for all of us, regardless of our age. All of us, in a sense, are living on borrowed time. All of us need to realize that every single day we have is a gift from God. It is precious. And so what do we do with that time? How do we invest that time? Now, I don't think of this morbidly or pessimistically. Oh, no, this, this to me gives me a, a new and better perspective since time is so valuable. I don't want to be hurrying around, frantically rushing. No, I, I want to be busy with the things that matter. I want to be busy doing things that make a difference in the kingdom of God. So how do I invest this time? You see, counting time is not as, as important as making time count and so this reminds me of paul's words to us in ephesians chapter 5 that mark read a moment ago and so in ephesians 5 verse 15 this is what the verse says be very careful then how you live not as unwise but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil now i really like the older translations of this verse 
a little bit better. They use the phrase redeeming the time because the days are evil. See, wise people have a very healthy perspective regarding time. There's a thoughtfulness regarding what you do with those few days that you're allotted on the earth. So to redeem is to buy back. We have a phrase we use sometimes. We say, well, she's buying time or he's buying time. Well, a good way to translate Ephesians 5.15 would be this. Buy up every opportunity. We have another phrase we use. We sometimes say, well, time flies. And so since time flies, it's up to us to be the, the navigator. So how do we make this time count? How do we make the most of every opportunity? Well, let me, let me answer that question with a question. What would it be like if we put God in charge of our schedules. See, here's the truth. My weekly schedule is not so much about what I need to get done as it is about who I want to become. I think when we understand our schedule in this regard, it changes the way we look at things. Some of you probably know who John Grisham is. Um, there, I went through a season of my life where I was reading about every book that John Grisham has written. Well, Grisham, as you probably know, if you know anything about Grisham, uh, John Grisham, he is an attorney, and at some point in his life, he really didn't want to practice law. He was tired of his job, and he had this vision for himself that he would write books, and yet he really didn't know how he could do that. He didn't know how to get started. And so he decided that he would get up an hour earlier than he normally does. He would get to his office, and he would spend the first hour of his day writing. And his goal was he would write one page during that hour. He started doing that every day. He would get up an hour early and get to his office and he would write and he would write. And after a period of time, he had enough information for a book and he wrote his first book. And now he's this incredible writer. You see, his life was changed by what he did with his time. There's power in a single word written on a calendar that gets lived out. So often, often we're pretty good about, about our work calendars. We're pretty good about investing in things when it comes to our jobs. But if we're not careful, we overlook some things that are even more important than the jobs we do Monday through Friday. I once heard someone say that, that the Bible, that aside from the Bible, the songbook is the second most important book that we ever read. And, and I understand that because the, the Bible is about, you know, reading theology and the songbook, it's there that we sing theology. And sometimes that theology can then, when we sing it, can sink deeply into our hearts. But I would suggest the third most important book or tool for us, you could make an argument it could be the calendar because it's there that this theology gets lived out. It's there that we see what your priorities really are. So what are some things that we might overlook and not put on our calendar if we're, care if we're not careful? Do we put God on our calendars? Here's what I find. When I begin my day, when I begin every morning by having time with the Lord, I'll open uh, the Gospels and I'll read my Gospel a chapter and I'll, I'll pray I'll say God would you open my mind that I might I might see what you want me to see or do what you want me to do and as I get quiet and still before the Lord for just a few minutes 10-15 minutes doesn't take a long time that that when I do that it somehow sets my day 
and it gives my day a, a much better trajectory. Now, Jesus was busy. And yet, as we read the Gospels, the thing you'll find about him is Jesus is constantly withdrawing from the crowds and getting alone to be with God. And so you find this in Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, where it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, there are many reasons why we ought to have a standing meeting with God there are many reasons why the first meeting of the day should be with God. But here's one of them. One of them is because it pleases the Lord. You know, in the Old Testament, we read about all these different offerings, burnt offerings that they had. But there's this one offering that was, it was done every day in the temple. You would have this offering that was made. It was constantly burning in the temple. And as you read about that offering, you'll read how that it says... It goes up before God as a sweet savor. And so it brought God a lot of pleasure when his people were offering that, that offering every day. And it's like when we get up and we give God the sacrifice of lips, when we get up and we spend time in his presence, one of the reasons we ought to do that, and there are a lot of reasons why we should make time to do that, but one of the reasons we do that is because it gives God pleasure. God loves it when his kids say, I want to spend time with you, Father. Someone once says, if God knows everything that's on our heart, if God knows everything before we even say it in prayer, then why should we even pray? I heard someone say one time, it's because God loves to hear his, the sound of his kids' voices. And so, as we think about our calendars, as we think about how we organize our time, do we have the word God written into our day here's another word we should put on our schedules it's the word home do we make sure we spend adequate time with our kids at home i once heard this statement and, and it i love it someone once said you know our little bitty kids are like wet cement i mean their hearts are so soft and pliable and so we dare not miss that opportunity to spend time with our kids i remember when my children were very little maybe the most important time of the day for us was at night right before they went to bed and it was so much fun and, and those of you who are raising kids right now you know that you know we'd tickle and laugh and talk and we would answer questions because kids are, their minds are so alive and they're so filled with questions and we would pray and talk about god i realized in that moment they're wet cement so soft and pliable and so when my son was my oldest son was about six or seven years old and he was going to school at albuquerque christian school and we lived about 15 minutes or so away from the school the school was in the church and so every day he and i would leave and i we would drive to school together and come back together in the evening and my wife would ask the question one time she said kevin she said what do you and chase talk about on the way to school and quite frankly, I had to say, well, you know, I, I turn on a little talk radio, uh, I'm listening to a little music, and she said, how about this, how about this? How about you view that time strategically? How about you think of it like this? You've got 15 minutes to have conversations with your boy. How about you think about the things that you want to impress upon his heart in those 15 minutes? Ah, I thought, oh, that's, that's wise, that's good. I'll tell you another word that should go on our calendars. It's the word date. And for those of you who are married, the question is, do we still date our mates? I really, 
at this point, I'm preaching myself here because I realize we, we're busy. And we got, you know, we're going here and there. And we've got business appointments and we've got, you know, all kinds of things we're doing. But what about just you and your wife? You'll, it'll never get done if you don't, on your calendar, write the word date. You write the word date. Date your mate. You know, a lot of times our marriages are in trouble. And they're in trouble for a reason. It's because we spend little time on our marriages. Spend little time with one another. Write the word date. Here's another word that you go on our calendar. It's the word church. Now, there have been times when, when people will say to me after a particular sermon or maybe a service, they'll come up to me and say something like this. They'll say, you know, uh, Kevin, I'm so glad I was here today. I'm so glad uh, I was here and I heard that sermon or I, I was a part of that worship service. You know, I got up this morning and just didn't really feel much like coming to church. Well, I, almost did, I almost didn't come to church, but we decided kind of last minute to come. Now, I realize this probably doesn't affect anybody in this room, but there's some, probably some people who aren't here this morning that, that, this, that they're like this. There, there are people who aren't in this room who from time to time, it's almost like you sort of flip a coin as to whether or not you come to church. And it's that way because church is not on your calendar. Again, Jesus' words are so instructive here. I like what he said in, in Luke's gospel. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 16, we read, He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. Notice, as was his custom. This was Jesus' custom. As Jesus had a calendar, the word church was on Jesus' calendar. So what do you want to become? You want to become a more fired up, excited follower of Jesus? Well, friends, that comes as you make church part of your weekly schedule. Now, let me, let me tell you something that you could do that'll make your worship experience here even better. Now, I realize what I'm about ready to suggest might sound like heresy to some of you, but I promise if you do what I'm about ready to tell you, ask you to do, it'll change a lot of things about Sunday. What if you made the commitment to arrive at church 15 minutes early. What if you got here at 8.30 instead of 8.50? You know, we joke a lot about, you know, our 8.45 service and our 9 o'clock service. You know, we may make that joke a lot. And I realize when you have little kids, you know, sometimes it's hard and sometimes, you know, you're changing a diaper and sometimes, you know, your two-year-old throws a tantrum. You're trying to get them settled before you get in the car. I know all of that. But what if? What if you said, you know what, we're going to get there next Sunday morning at 8.30 and we're going to come and the reason we're getting there early is we're just going to look around and find people to bless Instead of looking at church in kind of a consumer mentality, because, see, we're all consumers. And that's how we bring that consumer mentality to church, you know. Last week we talked about spiritual gifts. Some of you say, well, I've got the gift of sermon critique. That's what I got. You know, so we sit there and go, I, I'm going to give that a seven. I think the, the humor is a little bad today. It's a bad joke. The, I, I didn't agree with, you know, he wasn't very articulate. I mean, you know, we go on and on. But, but what if instead of that... We said, no, no, I'm changing my mindset. I'm coming on Sunday to find people to bless. 
Oh, I'm going to come, and I'm going to come with open eyes and ears. God's going to speak to me through his word and through the music, through the singing. It's going to be great, but I'm looking for people to bless. I'm going to get there 15 minutes early, and then here's something else. What if you stay just a little late so you could have those great conversations with people? Here's one other word that should be on our schedules, and it's the word Sabbath or the word rest. You see, when God created the world, he created it in six, six days he worked, and on the seventh day, he rested. And what God was showing us is that how, that's how life works best. We have to have space in our calendars for recreation, space for rest, space when we're not, we're not necessarily doing anything so much productive. We're just getting, getting filled up. <clears throat> you think about the word recreation, it's the word re-creation. We need to be re-created. And that happens when we make sure we have time on our schedule. Time when we say, this Saturday, you know, uh, we got a lot of Saturdays where we're busy, but this Saturday we're going to be with the kids, or this Saturday we're going to just hang out as a family. We're going we're gonna to do something like sit out on the porch with a cup of coffee, and we're going to have long conversations, and we're just going to enjoy one another's presence. Now, before I close this sermon, let me meddle with you for just a moment. I want to talk about a word that's already on your calendars, and that's the word work. So the question I want you to grapple with for just a moment today is how do you invest in that time? Some of you get paid for 40 hours. Are you working 40 hours? Or do you show up late, leave early? You know, because we're followers of Jesus, and because we've been given this, this gift of time, uh, we want to invest that time well, too. And so Jesus once said in the Gospels, let your yes be yes and your no be no. He says, I want you to keep your word. And so if you've made a commitment, I'm going to work hard for, that, for my employer, then, then I'm going to give him 40 hours. I'm going to give him what, what I should give him. I'm going to make sure I'm not stealing time. So what do you do with a sermon like this? Well, two things. Maybe this week, Moses' prayer in Psalm 90 will become your prayer. Maybe you'll be... Be, uh, you'll pray that prayer, Lord, teach me to number our days that I might gain a heart of wisdom. And when you pray that prayer, you'll realize, oh, every day is precious. And you'll want to invest that in things that really matter. And then here's the second, second way this sermon will impact your life. Let me ask you this question. Um, take a look at your schedule this week. And ask yourself, what are the words that are not on that schedule that should be on the schedule? Is God on the schedule? Is he the first appointment of the day? Is family on the schedule? Is Sabbath or rest on the schedule? And as you look at your schedule, ask yourself the question, is this a God-first schedule? What adjustments need to be made? Instead of first writing down all the things you want to get done, maybe you start asking yourself, what kind of person do I want to become? Because quite frankly, that calendar will help you to become a kind of person that God wishes for you to become. Jesus said in Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you 
as well. Seek first his kingdom. And everything else will work out.